This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Trying to get by Benning. Darnell Nurse left it in the corner. Gets left center. Perry. Scoop. Hey everybody, it's Pat and Jason taking over the podcast tonight. We're back. To talk about the Ducks' seventh straight loss, and at the hands of the almighty, all-powerful, and apparently unbeatable as of late, Vegas Golden Knights. What's happening, Jay? Ah, it's an all-American version. That seems fitting. Oh, especially with that really uh, like unimportant (laughs) game going on tomorrow. Some about kids. Some tournament in Canada. I don't like. No one cares about it anywhere else. I mean, I just know Canada is not in it anymore. That's that's all I've kind of heard about it. But apparently, we're so good, we just keep winning. Psych! I totally give a shit. I can't wait to watch USA (laughs) Canada. Just uh, I couldn't contain it any longer. Pretty happy about that. And and they haven't needed Jack Hughes, which is uh, even more phenomenal. But uh, yeah, insane. We've got plenty to talk about tonight. This game was very weird. Ducks Ducks falling here to the Knights, uh, three goals to two. Um, at times, the Ducks looked like they could play, but for the yeah. most part, it was like Vegas was just like with a stick of catnip in front of a cat and just waving it constantly. Yeah. And the Ducks were just all over, chasing the yeah. damn stuff everywhere and unable to keep up, it seemed like. But um, Gibby getting the start in net, that's, uh, that's no surprise. Uh, Jake Dotchin and Ben Street with the scratches. So Ducks with a pretty, you know, run-of-the-mill usual lineup here. Nothing crazy going on. Um, you would expect to see Vegas come out and fly just because that's what they've been doing. They, they, it's like they haven't been a good team this season. Uh, they, they were off to kind of a slow start. Uh, much of the Pacific Division was off to a slow start. Mm-hmm. Ducks included, Sharks included, Vegas. I mean, that... The guys you thought were really going to kind of run out of the gate and, uh, you know, still still be something. We we felt there would be a little bit of a pullback. Um, and, uh, yeah, after maybe about, you know, 15, 20 games, Vegas kind of righted the ship a little bit. You can almost kind of attribute that somehow to Nate Schmidt coming back in the lineup from him missing uh, 20 games. But they also got a little punch in the arm today because uh, Patches comes back. He's missed, uh, you know, I think uh, seven games. I think he missed six games earlier. Somewhere he's missed like 13 games of the, the first half of the season for Vegas. So they're kind of getting some of those players back, and they seem to be hitting their stride right now. And, and you know, strangely enough, they send down the AHL's leading scorer, Brandon Peary. Apparently they don't need a guy who's just been scoring <laughs> goals for them consistently in this lineup. So they send him down, which I, I don't know, thought was really odd there. but Yeah, it's a little odd. Former Duck player, uh, Perry, uh, he, he's come in and uh, he's, he's done great. I mean, uh, he's, he's killing in the AHL. I think Eddie was talking about him leading the AHL and scoring. Yep. And he comes up here and you're like, all right, well, you can score down there, but how are you going to help us up here? And then he comes in and he helps score goals. And then uh, put him back down. I think it's maybe more maneuvering around. I'm not. It quite was sure to bring that. patches up. They had to activate uh, patches off the off, yeah, so. off the injured reserve or whatever, right? So, so I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure it's a two way thing where he, you know he can get sent down and probably wouldn't get picked off of waivers or something like that. But you he couldn't have sent anyone else down, which is strange. I mean, Peary had six goals, three assists in seven games since he got called up December nineteenth. 
So you're talking a span of like 10 days, this guy. A little over 10 days, this guy's been killing it. But uh, that's enough on Vegas. Let's talk about this first period. I, I always feel the Ducks don't look slow in most games, except when they play Vegas. <laughs> they, they just <laughs> they look like 10 full, steps full behind. <laughs> no, it's it's weird. Vegas just, just they, they, they bring out the slow in us. I don't know what it is. And I've seen, you know, Vegas be Vegas uh, a lot of the time. And then I've, I've seen where they play and other teams have all of a sudden been able to adapt. The Kings have actually gotten a lot better playing against Vegas. And I wouldn't consider, you know, the Kings at all a fast or good team this season. And somehow they're able to handle it. But, yeah, whenever it's just it's wave, it just seems like that they're, they, they, they either come in with speed and beat us. They pull up. And then find an open guy that we're scrambling. Who who are we going to cover? They find the random pass through the seam. And it's just like, it doesn't matter what they really do. They just seem to have our number. We don't really seem to ever get a good game against Vegas. I, I thought this one wasn't too terrible, but uh, the, the start didn't seem that way, uh, especially the shot total that we started to go against. Well, and if the Ducks didn't have enough to deal with already that they're facing Vegas and they have to face a team that's hot right now, they're seven, they were 7-1-1 and now they're 7-1-2, or they were 7, shoot, 6-1-2 in their last nine, now they're 7-1-2, Yeah, uh, Vegas yeah. was. So the Ducks are trying to bounce back and, and break this losing streak, so that's enough to deal with. And then they got to deal with these referees off the bat in the first period that decided they wanted to control the game. A lot of questionable calls in tonight's game, I feel like. Not that the Ducks didn't get quality chances on the power play, but let's talk about the beginning of this game in the first period. We can just kind of hop right to the first goal on a delayed penalty call. Uh, Andre Kasha is like the, the – if oh, my God. So Vegas is like controlling the puck, comes out of the zone. <laughs> March or so, I think, like restarts the play. He exits the blue line. Yeah. Kasha pokes the puck. Kind of, kind of knocks the puck off of Marchessault's stick. It's like it had a chance to go into the empty net, but Vegas cleaned it up. Yeah. I've seen that called blown dead. Yeah. Where they're, it's whatever. The Ducks touched it. They considered a control. Referees blow that. I blow that call. I guess you want to say it was mild, in my opinion. They let it go. Whatever. It goes all the way back into the duck zone, and they're able to get a point shot through traffic. Gibby makes the save, a clean save right on, and he reaches out with his stick intentionally, swats the puck to the Loser. corner. How is that not a blown dead puck right there? I I don't get it. Hands up. I have no idea. I can't tell you exactly how that's not. The Kasha one uh, is a little bit different. There's also a, a second play in there where Kasha, you know, gets it with his stick, intercepts the pass, and kind of pokes it away. Now, he never gains full control. So, from my understanding, this is kind of a gray area, and it's up to the referee's discretion yeah. uh, whether or not they had control. Now, I've seen some refs, hey, you touch the puck, that's good enough for me, we're going to p- blow the play dead. Uh, other guys like, no, no, you have to corral it or hold on to it and do that sort of deal. The Ducks did all of it. I mean, they, they tapped it. They, they pressured the guy with the puck, almost so that he lost the puck by, you know, actually tapping his stick or tacking on the puck. I can maybe let those ones slide because they're made these. But the second it goes to Gibby, a direct shot, he saves it. In his mind, it's something where he can bring that stick around, pull the puck in, and cover it. But he's liable if he does that. He doesn't have, you know, there, I mean, there's a possibility that if he's directing it towards the net, it slips through and somehow goes in, and then he looks horrible. If you take it and you shoot it to the, the corner, what you think is going to be the corner, that's possession. If a defenseman gets it, has it on his stick, and throws it to the corner, they blow the play dead. The fact that the goalie did it and they don't do it, and somehow it's well, he didn't have possession. It's like he 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 corralled it. He he did it. He, what's he going to do? Bring it into his feet and hope it doesn't go past him? I mean, that's possession. I don't understand why it wasn't called. That blew me away. And there was a lot of those plays where it's just it was more of the refs decision making or how they felt about it that didn't make a whole lot of sense to me not necessarily that they they didn't call penalties where they weren't penalties it was just their decision making on what they their opinion was on it just seemed really odd this game Uh, i mean in my opinion puck possession is when you move the puck with intent yeah right that's possession yep so and he intentionally makes a save swipes the puck to the corner 
Unfortunately, it didn't matter. Referees were like, no, we didn't either A, they didn't see it, or B, they didn't care to see it. Um, and then Nate Schmidt's able to blast one through just a pile of bodies in front of John Gibson. <laughs> I, I mean, he have no idea. Just no clue. Something. He just like does the you know the standard butterfly and is like, oh, okay, that's where it is. He's a, he's a little bit to the right because almost everyone's just slightly to his center left, and then it just finds a hole the entire way through of legs and sticks, and somehow doesn't hit. The Ducks defender is going down on one knee. Somehow doesn't hit any of this stuff and just goes left side Gibby plays the percentages of like listen I don't see how that's going in and if he can hit high post and in he gets it and it's just kind of a weird play but at the same time I would be completely frustrated as he was if you look when he makes the play and then they don't call it he lifts up his glove he's like what else do I have to do do I have to control it do I have to shoot it down to the other end try for a goal before I'm going to get a call that that play should have never happened that whole setup should have never happened so it's frustrating me we uh, we end the way we do, and that's the first goal that kind of goes towards the final. Uh, yeah, exactly. That's such a rough call uh, in hindsight, just because, like you said, when it comes to the final score here and the Ducks take the loss, um, Vegas just seemed much faster after that still. The Ducks yeah. couldn't really battle back until you're talking like it was under seven minutes to go. They were at that point being outshot 11-2. to two. Um, and then they, like, they finally get a break in. Adam Henrique with basically a little bit of magic hands breaking in through uh, the defensive zone there, or the offensive zone, and, and on Fleury, the nice backhand. Fleury's able to make the save. Um, and then the only other real chance of remembrance to me was Carter Rowney's shot from the goal line. I think it hits Fleury and then hits Gibbons or somebody. Yeah. Hits the crossbar spinning. And then yeah, literally sits on top like a spin top would, like you would get, and just spin it right on the top and try to hold the line. You're like snapping your fingers. Is it going to stay? <laughs> and on, it just, just spins, Someone and then go. Go. nothing. Nothing. Blow it across the line. Come nothing. On. Everyone <laughs> in the building, everyone in the house thought they scored. I had buddies at the game texting me, that was in, right? They're not showing it. That was totally in. in. And then yeah. the worst part about it is we couldn't see an effing replay for like two minutes. Yeah. Yeah, I know. He's just sitting there dying. About the only solace I took in that, because I was with everybody. Like, I saw it, the way that it moved, the way it looked like it bounced out. I'm, oh, that hit the back. That dropped. That's in. I mean, it just ended up bouncing back out, and everyone's happy. Because the way Flurry just dropped his shoulders, he thought it was in. Everyone thought it was in. And the ref didn't call it a goal. He didn't call it no goal. He just kind of kept staring at the net. So he kind of had that, like, well, did it? Because a lot of people seem to think it did. And then, yeah, the only solace I also took in it is that once it goes past like 30 seconds of yeah, play. Yeah, and the league Toronto's hasn't blown it dead. And, yeah, they, yeah, they don't, because they, they can call in and they'll shut the game down and go, no, no, go back. That went across the line. So the longer it goes after that initial time where they don't blow it dead, that's where you can kind of tell, all right, they, they reviewed it off ice in Toronto and they're saying, nope, they never crossed the line. So the longer it went, the, the worse I felt about it. Yeah, I've seen I've seen a couple of games where it's happened like that and it actually went in and then the play yeah. goes back for like a, like maybe 20 30 seconds and then quickly uh somebody yeah. down uh, there you hit the little horn real quick like eh, eh, like yeah. real real loud the whole arena horn goes off here was like what the hell and it's, uh, yeah. you know they're alerting him hey dude stop the game yeah. you know, no, cool. no, stop the game got to go back we don't want anyone getting injured anymore it's uh none of this is going to count so it was brutal but uh yeah. unfortunately the way it goes the ducks uh outshot that period heavily i want to say it was total of i think it was 16 to 5 at the end of the, the first period or 17 yeah. no 17 yeah, to 6 yeah, is what the final on that shot six. was. Yeah, that, that wasn't good. Oh, they had six. I know. I don't want to take anything away yeah, from right. that. <laughs> yeah, don't take that one shot away from us. <laughs> but the Ducks of the second period um, get a break. They end up taking a power, getting on a power play, end up drawing a penalty. Vegas takes the call there. Uh, they get good zone control. This is one way you can stop a fast team. No one can mm. outskate the puck. You get taught that in peewee hockey and younger, mm. right? Might hockey eight-year-olds mm. get taught that. My daughter got taught that. Passed the puck. We always gonna skate, guys. Vegas has a very ultra aggressive team. The Ducks do a really nice play, circle the, the horn back and forth. Vegas finally tires out after like it seemed kind of quick though. They kind of backed off, and then gave them all day to move the puck around, which was great because the Ducks are able to cycle it. And then uh, Richie gets right in front of Flurry, 
blocks out any daylight and Sprong just key. buries this puck. Five hole. Yeah. Fleury didn't have yeah. it all the way tightened up either because if he does, it, it, yeah. it's a save. But that was in and out of the net quick there, and the Ducks tie it up. Yeah, kind of going from the back, you know, to the front. I mean, it, it literally, I mean, that goal goes five hole on Flurry, which he's usually, I mean, that he's a butterfly goalie. So he usually has that unlocked for the most part. Just in front of him was Richie blocking out the sun. And I can't tell you as, you know, I can tell you as a goalie, that just adds a whole nother layer of difficulty when you have a big body that's in the way like that. The third thing is that that uh, sprung shot, uh, you know, it was it wasn't, you know, top corner. It wasn't left, right. It was just it was dead center, low enough to go five hole. It was in the right spot, but it was heavy. So even if Fleury got a piece of that one, that's probably going in, which it did. And the whole thing started all the way back with a nice little cycle, did a lot of east to west on the power play. Oddly enough, that's the Ducks second power play unit that not only started it, but ended up uh, being able to to cash in on that. And so that that second power play looks like it's got a lot more click and vitality. Uh, I think they started every power play that the Ducks had, all three of them, uh, and they they looked more dangerous in the top line for sure. Well, I mean, when you have Ryan Kessler out there in your top power play unit, <laughs> really not doing a whole lot, unfortunately. I mean, I've talked about him literally – every show it seems like and i always preface it with everyone else to stand i loved this guy when he came to the ducks this injury has just screwed his career and uh, missing all that time ah, and then rehabilitating i and would then, re- rephrase it, it i it, guess it changed the way he has to play now and he, now he's, he's not, no longer the player he's one of the worst players in the league uh for the minutes he's getting it's 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 devastating it's devastating man and (laughs) it it bums me out it it, it really does he just is not a great player at this stage in his career anymore so um anyway him being on the top power play unit's probably not a great idea maybe they need to put sprong there or put someone else on there i don't know what i would do is is i would have gets locked I, i feel like they have Kessler on that top line to be the face-off guy and like Getzloff do his roaming thing or let him be that point guy or the facilitator of the puck. I would rather have Getzloff trying to win face-offs and then have, and quite honestly, I'd rather have Richie's big ass in front of the goalie. I mean, because that's, that's, be. that's, that's what Kessler is usually does. It's what Eves usually does. Both of those guys are older and injured. Uh, Richie, you know, I won't call it a niche, but that's a, a damn good place for him. And you saw it on that first goal. I'd rather see him maybe on the top line, like Getzloff, take that power play uh, face off, and you know, then let him rove over to where he needs to be, and let Richie kind of get from the wing in in front. That'd be my my quick solution because I'm such a great power play coach in the NHL. That's true. You're the Walrus uh, reincarnate <laughs> here. They need to get you into the NHL. I do uh, miss the walrus. You don't miss the walrus? Oh, I totally do. Not only do I miss okay. that guy's cuddly face behind the bench, but I also <laughs> miss how good the special teams were when he was here. Uh, let's get on with this, because 18 seconds later, uh, just a beautiful passing play here by Anaheim, breaking into the zone. Gibbons with a great feed uh, to the you mm-hmm. know to Lindholm, who's streaking in. My boy Hampy then <laughs> takes the, a rolling puck and slides it ever so carefully but perfectly onto the stick of Carter (laughs) Rowney who gets redemption and is able to bury the puck into the empty net as Fleury is as the broadcast will say over aggressive on his plays sometimes Uh, uh, leaves the net open there oh dude non-stop (laughs) but uh, Carter Rowney is able to bury it his third of the season and the Ducks have a lead which I think the broadcast said was the first lead the Ducks have had against Vegas all year so oh, we're yeah. all thinking like, oh, hell, this is great. Maybe we have a chance. Maybe we can hold on. Yeah. I mean, that was uh, that goal. That second goal was reminiscent of when the Ducks were good, when they could make those passes and they made them work. They looked and like a different feels, team right there. Yeah. Just like all of a sudden it's like, oh, you know, two great passes, you know, great patience. And they make the other team look bad we don't make a lot of other teams look all that bad. Like mm-hmm. usually it ends up, it be, it's a snipe, it's traffic in front, it's a gritty goal. So uh, it was kind of a harken back to the old days where, you know, we can kind of pick defenses apart and end up scoring a goal. So it was, 
it was really nice and relieving to see and go like, oh man, okay, all right, we got this. We got Vegas. We get we get shafted on the first goal, but hey, look how quickly we're striking. And uh, you know, it was good and it was kind of a, a combination of the, the fourth line, which I've I've been nothing but impressed with every time they're out there. They always seem to be doing something. So whether it's Gibbons, Rowney, and then Shearwood out there, it's just I enjoy our fourth line a lot more than I enjoy some of our other lines. Can we get Sherwood back on the fourth line? I really liked him on the fourth line, the energy guy. He hasn't yeah. been all so successful with Ryan Getzloff, so maybe it's time to shake that part back up, huh? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I mean, he's only got, I think he's only got like five goals this season or something like that, but I mean, he, he's been a bright spot, and like I said, it's just, it seems like those fourth line guys, I I enjoy watching a little bit more. There's a little bit more effort. There's a little more, like, hey, I, I, I better get my ass over here and get it happen. I feel like a lot of other people maybe, I don't want to say comfortable, but just like there's no there's no intensity. They got the guaranteed minutes. They're, they've been there long. They have the tenure. Yeah, they, and there's I guaranteed shifts. in a category where they're not trying as hard as they could. No. At the same time. It's, it's just, I'm, I'm just seeing kind of like going through the motions. All right, I should be here. This should happen. All right, yeah. I'll move back, or I'll come back. No, I didn't quite have it. We're damn, it's like, go get it. Where's the puck? How can I get the puck if I don't have it? And I like that better. So the Ducks score two very quickly, 18 seconds apart. And then the play was just, oh, my God, man. Uh, oh, wait, let me pull an allerism <laughs> out. Helter Skelter, uh, take two Ooh. drinks, right, or whatever the uh, whatever that is. Because, I mean, uh. my God, his allerism's there. But uh, he, he mentioned that a couple of times at least. Uh, in this game, there was a lot of wide open parts here. Two on ones going back and forth. Um, great chance by Brandon Montour, but I think it was blocked by England or Fleury in tight uh, on a play. No, it was either England or it was McNabb. I can't remember. One of the two in front of the net got, next to Fleury. It was the defenseman definitely got it, not Fleury, because that one was that close to making it uh, just a game making where it, we Yeah, really making it 3 1. That would have been, yeah. been it right there. Um, yeah, and then Cogliano. Pond hockey. That was the other dude. thing he said. And then Cogliano <laughs> deflects one off the post. He gets a nice little tip uh, on a point shot, goes off the post. That poor guy can't buy a goal. Um, that's what they said, and that's what I'd agree with. Just brutal. Oh, they said that. Yeah, it's yeah. They say he just can't buy a goal or a snake bit, and I think is what that's, they call I love them. that too. It's just they just couldn't couldn't <laughs> can't buy one right now. Even even you know testing him quickly at the top line, just trying to. Hey, maybe we'll have a speed guy in Auberg and uh, Cogliano with Getzloff. See, see where that goes. And it's just, just nothing doing. The, duck, the Ducks are struggling hard. So then Vegas comes back and gets a goal here. They actually get a pair of goals in 31 seconds. Former Duck, Nosek is able to... Is it Nosek? Or was it... No, Nason. I don't think Nosek's a former Duck. Nason was a Duck. Not Nosek. I screwed that up. Thomas Nosek yeah, buries Nosek. the puck. It's a rebound in front. Ducks can't clear the puck for the life of them in this shift again. Gets cycled around. Goes to the point. Comes back down. The shot hits Walensky. So Gibby doesn't yeah. get any read on the shot. Again, he, he's planted, ready for the save. And then Nosek falling all in one motion is able to tap it into an empty net. I mean, that's just the way it's going to go. Yeah, yeah. that one blew and that one blows for goalies. Um, that shot comes and, you know, for the most part, Gibby has a, a decent enough look at it. He's got a little bit of that screen in front. He loses it probably just before it, it's about to hit him. And as a goalie, if you kind of see where the puck is going, you move to that direction and either you pick it up really late and you know where it is. And if you don't see it because it happens right in front of you and sometimes you will lose it, you wait for it to hit you or it hits the post or it hits the, the glass behind you or board. You're waiting for some sort of tell. You'll even read the players in front of you where they start quickly reacting and you just go to wherever they seem to be going. And it happens so quick that it hits the guy in front. He never feels it, never hears anything, goes up and over his head on the other side. Walensky at the same time is trying to stop Nuskin who ends up uh, pronounces right wrong? I'm sure. Uh, who ends up going? Falling, no sec. Gets to that right where the puck drops, bats it in, and Gibby is actually quick to respond. Where like boom, like oh there it is. I heard it hit, but it's right as he's smacking it in. It just it sucks. It's a bad play for a goalie. You can't do much on it. If you don't feel it, you don't hear it, you don't see it at the last second. You're waiting for some sort of tell to happen. You're hoping. It's not the puck right behind you, which is kind of where it was. 
And then Jason's favorite play of the game was a blown 2-1-1 by Josh Manson. He doesn't decide to the last second as Statsny and Patches are flying in. He gives Statsny all all the time of the world to come in and walk in close on Gibby to maybe force the shot. And then when pa- and then when Statsny kind of holds up on the shot, he goes to play him. And at that exact moment is when he makes the perfect pass. And Patcher is able to tap that into a wide open net, and he burns the Ducks. And now all of a sudden we have a tie game. Yeah, you call it my favorite play because this or, is the problem. Uh, they take the lead. My bad. Not a tie game. Yeah. Yeah. They, they take the lead 3-2. This has been something I've noticed um, recently, but I think it's a bigger problem. I know that Lindholm also has this problem from time to time, and Manson had this problem on this particular play. It's they don't really know how to defend a two-on-one, and I can simplify it. I don't it. believe that for one second. We could argue <laughs> this all day. They're professionals. We, we, They're not... we could. They're professionals. They know better than me. I don't play defense. I play goaltending, but I'll tell you what every goaltender will tell you what to do. On a two-on-one, let me take the shooter. If the shooter beats me, that's on me. I will never blame my defenseman for that guy beating me. But my focus has to be that. If I've got to now focus on this guy over here because I don't think you can stop a pass, I then, even if I'm looking at this guy, my mind is this guy is a threat now because my guy will not stop that pass. And now easy shots beat me. So the more times these passes get through defenders, because at the last second Josh Manson goes, I want to go get the puck now, and then leaves the guy wide open uh, for a tap-in. Look, Gibby doesn't even make an effort to go back. He's so locked in on the shooter. And every right, this guy is so good at stopping initial shots. Let him stop it. Give him some credit to actually make that stop. After the shot happens, then go after that guy, tie him up, do whatever you got to do. But your job as a defenseman is to make sure that pass doesn't get across because now the goalie has to try and jump across, opens wide up, and whatever position lock he had on an initial shooter, now it's wide open and a guessing game. You've got to be able to defend that two-on-one. I've seen it too many times, at least recently, that it just makes me go, I can understand why Gibson's just pissed and he doesn't try and he just he looks – I mean, if, if you want to talk plays. about the one with Lindholm, it was against Kucherov, and his stick narrowly missed the pass going across. I mean, dude, he was defending right down the middle and forced the guy to make the either shoot, shoot or pass, and the pass got over his stick. Happens. Just um, can't can't let that. I mean, it's two on ones. You're at a disadvantage. I completely yeah, understand. Yeah, but you also that. can't let the shooter just walk in and deke on your goalie either. That's you have to thing. play That's... a gap. That's where there's there's two guys, and yes, a defender, when they're coming back, has to look left, right, figure out that gap. He's got to be as close to center between both of those as possible. You cannot go all the way to the pass and let that guy walk in because you're essentially saying, well, here's a, a pretty much here's a breakaway from this side of things. I'm going to let you walk it. You've got to be able to go, I'm going to take uh, – if you come in, I'm taking you out. If you make that pass, you know – but you got to be in there. You get wide with your skates, and you just anticipate a pass. Your thought is no pass is getting through. If this guy seems to abandon all pass, then I'll go to him. Now, there's tricky guys that kind of give you false readings, and maybe that's what happened with Manson, and maybe that can happen with Lindholm. I just, I've seen it too often where they get fooled, and I feel like if your mind is this pass will not get through, but I'm not giving him a clear walk to the front of the net, I'm going to let our goalie block this shot. If he puts it up top corner, that's a great shot, and Gibby's not going to be mad at me for it. That's the we'll, way I'm we'll bury this goal. here. Okay. No need to talk about a two-on-one. Because um, I nailed it. Yeah, the Ducks, at the end of the second period, end up getting, uh, for some reason, pinned in their zone, which felt like an eternity to wrap it up. They said Lindholm played over three minutes and 20 seconds. Getzloff <laughs> damn near the same amount to end it. Neither one of them had legs. Barely to get off the ice. So, just an awful second half to the second period. And honestly, that was the game. Because uh, the Ducks just couldn't break through again. And we can start this here in the third period. And you can just... Honestly, man, Fleury had to be good in the third period. He made some quality stops. Not at the uh, beginning. 
No, but he did make quality that, that, stops. That one in the beginning hit like the, the board and had a weird bounce. Like, right yeah, it happened ball. to Gibby, and, and Gibby got burned on it, like, of course. That far away from just like, oh, there's my stick. Oh, there's a goal. And then all he of a sudden, momentum swings back the other way. <laughs> I mean, Gibby had to make a good save, too. Locks the pads, does a little stack to keep it out. Uh, so that came close again oh. to letting in a fourth goal. But uh, the Ducks are getting chances. Rowney and Richie both with grade A chances. The Ducks' second power play unit again, moving the puck around and getting some chances in on, on Flurry, but they're unable to do it. Um, now we got to talk about a penalty that happened. There was a few that happened in this third period, or a couple that happened in uh, this period, that oh I just were the yes, referees. That... I, I mean, I don't know, man. So uh. <laughs> I want to say, let me, let me see to get this right, because the penalties that happened in the third period were... First, John Merrill gets a delay a game for nudging the net off. He gets a little shoulder mo- motion when he was with Kessel, I which like, I thought was I a BS like call. Yeah, I didn't I either, didn't like and Merrill was pissed. Um, right. And then about four minutes later, the Ducks are in the faceoff. Adam Henrique's in the faceoff circle. Jumps yeah. the gun. I guess got warned. Jumped the gun again. And then gets a faceoff violation. And yeah. I don't know. That's a referee discretion call. I had somebody ask me, like, what's the difference between getting two minutes or just getting tossed out of the circle and replaced? I'm like, honestly, man, I don't know. I don't, I don't think they toss you out. I think you need to switch. Maybe. Do you know the answer? Yeah. Well, well, mostly if there's an encroachment, uh, they'll, they usually will toss the center out of there. So it's the second one that ends up, if you do twice in the same setting, it's uh, it's kind of like uh, it's it's a uh, delay a game penalty essentially is what they're doing. Which is what he got. They start, yeah, yeah and, and and that what they're doing is back in the day, especially when you used to ice it, they would you know bring it back and if the guy was tired, he'd keep jumping the gun, give his wingers, defensemen, you know, just that much more, and he'd jump the gun like three, four times, and then eventually you'd have the face off. But it was that little bit that gave you a little bit more time, and so in an effort to have more goal scoring. Usually, the more tired you are, the more likely the other team's going to score on you. So they kind of made this rule that if you do it twice and we don't have a face-off quickly afterwards, try and move the game along, then they end up giving you that delay of game. Now, I didn't see the first one; I just saw the second one. And the second one was kind of odd to me that they they even kind of blew it dead as a second one because it's kind of like he had the puck, he kind of wanted to drop it, but then just kind of like delayed half a second. And then that's when Henry said, all right, let's go. And then that was the one, and then they gave him a penalty for it. So I didn't really agree with it either because either just drop it or go or whatever it is that I'm not 100% sure why. But once again, it's one of those referee discretion things, and their discretion this whole game was just – it blew me away. I was was trying to figure out how they were calling things, you know, as far as the making their own judgment call. Their judgment seemed off to me today. Yeah, and then less than, I, I was actually 31 seconds later, Ryan Kessler's in the face-off circle. Cody Eakins in the face-off circle. And look, I get it. No one likes Ryan Kessler outside of Ducks fans and players on, on the Ducks roster. And Cody Eakins kind of a pest, too. And he's been a thorn of the Ducks' side and since his ginger. days in Dallas. And, and Ginger. Um, yeah. that's, that's your problem. I have no problem with Gingers. <laughs> um, Some of my best friends are Ginger. I don't mind Kessler... Like being rough and all that, but when you're down a goal and you're on the penalty kill, why give the guy the face wash, shove in the face, like the full across the head? I get it. And most of the time, referees don't call a penalty. It takes it has to be an egregious call in order for them to make the you know raise their hand and put you down five on three. But apparently, his glove or his stick clips Eakin's lip, causes his lip to bleed. And now oh. it's a it's an effing double minor for roughing at this point. And that was a backbreaker. Well, they call, I think they called that a, a high stick. It, yeah, high they stick. did. They did call it a high stick. But it, but uh, I don't think it was a high the stick. The view I, I got was his, his hand. It was his hand, and I can understand a, a roughing maybe. Uh, but at the same time, Eakins kind of went in with his helmet, and that's what I think Maybe I mean it doesn't take a lot to probably piss off Kessler. No, he's uh, and looking maybe for it. Let that one go. But at the same time, he, he's kind of getting run in. He's like, get the hell out of here. Kind of pushes him, catches him, and then Eakins does the head thing, falls to the ground, and then uh, he has a cut lip. And he, you know, now the ref thinks it's a high stick somewhere in there. I have no idea. Once again, 
that discretionary judgment on the referees just seemed just seemed odd, a little off. Maybe you give them a rough if you're really wanting to stick it to them. But even that's a marginal call. But then to make it a high stick that didn't happen and make it a double minor because the little dude got cut on his lip. Uh, yeah, I just, I, it sucks. But about the only good thing is that Vegas right now, the one thing they're not good at is their power play. Oh, their power play was terrible. They had, they had yeah. a couple of chances, but Gibby ate them up all day. And the yeah. penalty kill actually did a pretty good job keeping the passes from crossing, you know, across that crease and in the slot yeah. area. So yeah, ninety seconds of uh, two five, five on three, and the Ducks are able to kill it. Helps when uh, Gibby's got over a ninety four save percentage shorthanded. Oh, it's ridiculous! They said it's top of the league. I don't, I'd love to verify that. I didn't have time, but that's I trust the broadcast a little. That's so what I'm the broadcast that did. That's yeah. okay. Um, he was close to it earlier, so. The Ducks, just to wrap this game up here, because it's a loss, I don't want to stick too much time, but the refs did spend a lot of their time uh, making it their game, so we had to talk about that. <laughs> about two chances left, I would feel like. Uh, gets off with a beautiful setup to Jakob Silverberg on the side of the net. He's at a tough angle, and the puck it just... It's like at the heel of his stick. It was it, tough. it wasn't in his wheelhouse. It was going to be hard unless it was right on the tape in the sweet spot. Yeah. Because Flurry's quick enough to get over there, so you know he's he's got to lift it. He's at a tight angle. It's a quick play, and it just unfortunately that that puck was probably not in the best of spots, but by inches again. Shanks it <laughs> off the heel of his stick, man. That's that was a yeah. tough one. And then the other one was uh, Kasha uh, backhand. Looks like he was going to do a roof job there on Flurry. It hits McNabb's stick, McNabb's the stick. shaft, and it flutters well over the crossbar. Damn. And that's all she wrote, man. That was about yeah, it. They got a couple chances with the goalie pulled. Uh, Walensky got real, real nervous, I guess, when they wanted to draw back clean. He just rips a slap shot with an empty net right on yeah. Flurry, right in the chest. Like, there was no traffic, nothing. He was, you could tell. He was like, oh, i got to get a shot on net. And, just something. I, at that point, you had to. It's just you know, hope, hope for the best and see, see what happens. Because, I mean, what's he going to do? Set up a game-winning uh, eight-pass play? No. Oh, I mean, he's just got to wait for traffic <laughs> to come in. That's tough. But I uh, can't, yeah, can't put that too much on him on that. The Ducks ended up falling here, as we, as everyone here knows. 3-2 to two was a final. 42-27 to 27 shots in favor of Vegas, of course, because the Ducks would love to surrender. I think this their, I think they said it was their 10th or 11th time this season. They've surrendered 40 shots on net. So not a good look for Anaheim in this game. Nah, but Vegas does that. They, they've also they, – they have quite a few games where they uh, have 40-plus shots on net, so – you're looking at the high danger chances. Uh, Vegas doubled them up, twenty-two to eleven. So Vegas, you know, held the wealth essentially of high danger chances. Even when the Ducks outshot them in the third, Vegas had more chances in in, uh, in tight on Gibson. So just a tough go for Anaheim. But um, full so, synopsis for you. Full, full synopsis? synopsis. Well, I mean, what is your takeaway from this game? Did John Gibson's amazing went- and should win a Vesna. Because that's why they yeah. got close to this game to begin with. <laughs> well, that's been a build up till this. But <laughs> I felt like the Ducks played probably their best game against Vegas uh, today than they have in the past. They there's still the lulls. They're still you know they they kind of got gypped on quite a few plays. And, and once again, you can count posts or near goals as you know that much closer. So. I felt the Ducks were a lot better. Than hey, maybe if your stars management, wah wah, you hit the post, put the puck yeah, in the net. Wah, 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 You're the CEO. Yeah. We should get him out here. <laughs> Real motivator that one. So unfortunately, it's kind of the way it, it's just gone for the, the Ducks here, and um, no more hashtag fire Carlisle. We all know he's in here for the long haul. It's the end of his contract, and. It's been stated by news outlets that he's got a job in the organization after his contract's up. I mean, shit, they they probably might even offer him another contract. Who knows? Who knows? Where? <laughs> Where would you put him? Because I, I can't imagine head coach unless Stanley Scouts. Cup he's going to be a scout or some assistant to here or there. Whatever. I don't think he's going to coach. I think he's done after this, and he's going to get an office job with the Ducks. Is he gonna, is he gonna so. be, this is going to be head scout of grit. Of grit, yeah. Grit and determination. Grittership. Leadership. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> we got to outwork the other team. So we had some questions here that I think we should get to before we move on to any of our post game comments uh, or topics that we'd like to talk about. So let me bring those up here. Let me get them up onto the screen. Well, and... all you 
while you're doing that, I'm opening a, a Foster's. For our uh, our, our uh, Australian audience? Yes, our one Australian fan. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I also open it for uh, Jimmy because he hates the fact that I drink beer that he doesn't approve of. Uh, Jimmy, I know he won't approve of this. Jimmy doesn't approve of Coors Light either, but uh, I, I would have to, <laughs> to say I do enjoy it every once in a while. So... Uh, Steffi Mazzi on Twitter says, what are your thoughts on Sprong starting on the first line with Aberg being bumped to the fourth line? Is this something that will continue? I mean, yeah, that's that's uh, the Sherwood taking the slot there. And honestly, Aberg, maybe, I mean, he, he scores in bunches. And he's a real streaky guy. So uh, maybe there's some underlying reason why he did that. But I'm not a fan of Kiefer Sherwood on the top line. He, he doesn't have hands to finish at this level. And honestly, we don't need a guy who's speedy on the top line. We need a guy who can get the puck and score. And Andre Kasha is speedy and can do that. So if you're going to move anyone to the top line and bump Aberg down, why not Kasha, in my opinion? Yeah. Um, I mean, as far as jumping the lines around, I feel that that's Carlisle's thing. If things aren't working, he's he's going to try and, you know. That was Brucey's thing, too. Remember the line blunder, everyone called it? Yeah. Yeah. And, and Carlisle's like that. You know, he goes off a gut instinct of what he thinks might end up working, you know, just based on the game that he's seen. So he's, he's not married to every line all the time. Uh, fortunately, he doesn't have a whole lot of uh, extra cogs that are going to really help different uh, lines out you know he's with injuries you're just pulling out what you know might work and might not work yeah i'm in the same boat not that i don't think sherwood may not eventually be somebody that could play higher up than fourth line at this point yeah i mean he's he's great in the role of the fourth line and i'd rather have somebody with sprong's finish auberg's finish something like that to to maybe plug in there it may not be every game but every so often because at, at this point you they kind of solidified that second and third line because i think henry yeah. kasha and richie seem to be that second line and in, in my opinion and then the third line is really cog silverberg and, and kessler and then it's getzloff and you name the winger uh it's just the one that seems to maybe have a little bit more staff a little bit more chemistry that particular game and then ride it as long as it can right now getzloff's just kind of a man looking for her partner <laughs> yeah honestly and you know i got i got to give him some credit for not taking kosh off that line i mean kasha and richie have been really playing really well together same with henrique so that's that's yeah. tough but yeah i don't i don't think sherwood needs to be in the top line i, I would rather them have someone with a touch of Aberg on top um yeah. this is a funny one so uh i'll say it real quick we can laugh and move on but jacob uh loves to chime in here about Corey perry he says how many goals over 50 does Perry score when he comes back? And is that enough for the heart? It damn well better be if he does come back in March and is able to score 50 goals in like 12 games. <laughs> well, games. let's put it this way. Um, I'd be impressed if he gets over 50 goals in the next three seasons. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, almost. I guess that's to finish his career with Anaheim. I don't know if he'll get over 50 goals in the next you know, two and a half seasons. We'll see how um, he is when he comes back, man. if he did do it, then yes, he deserves the heart. And uh, uh, Memorial was a Ted Lindsay Award for Memorial coming back. and then just Oh, that's the Ted Lindsay Award. I think the players <laughs> yeah. vote for him, and then he would get the, the heart trophy. Which uh, he is would have to on. if he came yeah. back in, what, February or March? It was a joke question. Come on. Goals. No, no, this is serious. I take all questions. <laughs> Just for you. A grain of seriousness. So, and then Christopher asks, what's the issue with the total team defense? We're only a few years removed from having one of the best team D in the league. It's Is it a D core not performing to the level they should be? Or is our forward core the issue? Uh, I would say this season's a mix of both. Um, the forwards are not playing well on their own end. Uh, we saw many times at the beginning of the year where they were not dropping in and covering the high slot. There were so many chances uh, being let up because of that. Uh, it slowed down a little bit, but um, I would still say we have a solid top four here, and it's been kind of a bummer with Cam gone. Uh, I would still like to see them switch up the pairings and go back to what worked last year towards the end. Um, you know, Montour and Cam Fowler, Manson and Lindholm together, see what works. Randy Carlisle. For as much as he likes to blend this forward line group, doesn't like touching the top four defensemen. Just leaves them as is, and that's what we get. We get Manson and Larson, and you get Lindholm and Montour. 
Um, when Fowler comes back, it'll be interesting to see. But I honestly, it's just going to be Lindholm and Montour and Manson and Fowler. It's just going to go back to the way it was. Um, but uh, what's your take on it? I, I, I really kind of feel it's a mix of both this year. Yeah, he says that we had uh, you know one of the top defenses just a few seasons ago. I'm trying to think of when we had a really top defense. Um, and, you know, I just, you know, I guess that's when, what, what Freddie and... Kibbe, that was probably when, that's probably when Brucey was around, right? And... Yeah, Brucey. So it's, it's a little bit different now. Go figure, uh, with, uh, Carlisle being a defensive, uh, player and defensive guru, I guess. Uh, you would think that their defensive woes would be a little bit better, but I 100% agree with you. It, it's not all on the defense. Uh, yeah, injuries have been there, but... The, the forward injuries, the young people that bring in, this is what happens when you bring in a, a younger team that's a little bit less experienced. There's defensive lapses. There's losses in coverage. And that ends up creating the two-on-ones, the three-on-ones, the penalties, the penalty kills, where you're asking Gibby to save goals and games that you wouldn't normally expect to see. So you're going to see a little bit of that drop-off. That's the give and take. If you get you know speedier and maybe a little bit more skill, you're going to get inexperience. And with that inexperience comes what looks like horrible defense. They kind of got their act together for a little bit. Uh, once again, right now, our biggest problem now is scoring goals. It's not necessarily on a de- defensive side. But there's always room to improve. We're not the top defense, and you're never going to be that if we're missing Cam Fowler in that lineup as well. You're asking a lot of young kids like Larson and Dodson and um, uh, Walensky to come in and kind of really, you know, hey, play big NHL minutes, even though you're not really used to NHL speed or forwards. So it's tough. So speaking of forwards, is it time to call Troy Terry up? That's what Garrett's asking us here on Twitter. Um, I don't think it's, I, I don't think it's necessary at this point. Um, the Ducks have a couple of guys that are on, on uh, the men that are close to returning, which we we'll get to here in our post game topics in a, in, in a couple, like I said, in a minute. But uh, Troy Terry's lighting it up in the AHL. Just got selected to the All Star game. I think he's co leading the AHL in rookie <laughs> scoring. Uh, he had two goals tonight in a goals win, so he's killing it. Um, how yeah. do you feel? I think Troy Terry's fine with the goals for now. Yeah, I think so, too. Uh, he he uh, had a chance last season a little bit, looked a little out of place, uh, smallish. I mean, that's what's going to happen when you're coming from the you know, in university NCAA level at Denver. Uh, he came in, kind of got bumped around a few games, especially games against, you know, the Sharks and things like that. I noticed he just he looked like a youngin with a bunch of professionals and unfortunately he didn't have a top end speed or skill that's going to translate past that this season at the top uh you know level he got to play on the top line with Getzloff it really didn't translate for him not that he you know he wasn't involved he wasn't trying he just he he needs the seasoning and it's really tough to understand that because the NHL is so young and quick and fast but these guys are young they're teenagers there's going to be a learning curve and he's not going to play top-line minutes if he comes on. So what are you going to do, put him on the fourth line? The only place you can put him is the top line, and he showed in the beginning part of the season he's just not quite at that level just yet. Give him this season. Let him work it out. He's an all-star down there. Get it going. Gain some mass. I think that will help him to make the top uh, club you know, next season. But it's one you kind of just let him slide for right now. And then we had a couple of questions here to wrap up on Twitter uh, we kind of talked about here. So we can just be brief on it. Why is Kessler on the top power play? I don't know. <laughs> I think we already talked about yeah. this. Yeah, so that's what I was saying. Yeah, uh, a couple things already kind of covered. And then when will, when will the team start defending the pass on 2-1-1? On one? So you got some uh, Mike over here with uh, a comment that Jason's a fan of. And then it was Peter yeah. that had the question about the Kessler on the power play. Um, let me bring up our couple of questions here we had on Instagram. Pop those up. Let's see. Let's, okay. Okay. <laughs> Canadian okay. girl says, uh, how long till we wake up? Holy hell. Um, hopefully okay. soon. Hopefully yeah. very, very soon. Uh, I, I think Sunday against the Oilers is a good time. That's a team that's very beatable. They're not playing well at all. Uh, the planet hasn't served them well, so uh, at least as well as they hoped. And he did in the beginning, and then they totally kind of, you know, 
teetered so off. There, there. Was, there was no hope for that team. <laughs> Unfortunately, we call this in the beginning. There's there besides McJesus and uh, uh, Drysaitel and uh, Nugent Hopkins. There's there's not much there. Um, so for for them at least, at least for us, I don't know. This is this has been the problem that we've had. Uh, is inconsistency. The only solace I can maybe take in is that the Ducks are kind of in the exact same spot they were last year, and they still were able to make a run to the playoffs, despite having Vegas way up there. Uh, the Pacific is still open. It's still open enough. Uh, that doesn't make me all that confident that even if we get to the playoffs, that we'll have any sort of success, because I don't think so, the way the team's currently playing. I think hopefully if we start getting players back that aren't going to make the same little defensive mistakes here and there, the team maybe gets a little bit of cohesiveness. Cause at, at this point, I don't know. There's not a really good answer. There's just inconsistency game in game out shift in shift out. So it's uh, I can't, I can't clap or applaud the greatness. I can't dwell too hard on the, the failures, but there just seems more failures right now than there does success. So Canadian girl follows it up. Do you think the Ducks beat the Oilers on Sunday? You'll be there, so hopefully. I won't be there. Oh, I thought you were going to the game on Sunday, no? No, I wish. <laughs> Do you think they no. beat the Oilers or no? Uh, yes. Yeah, they have to. I'm going to go with that. Yeah, because the Oilers are a hot mess. Then the Ducks are this close. And we didn't play a bad game. We lost. It sucks. But we're that close. We're getting the chances. I just don't. I don't see any reason other than McJesus himself ruining it for the Ducks. Uh, so Sierra has three questions that'll wrap up our questions for the night. She asks, which rookie do you think is sent down once Cam Fowler is back? Uh, it's most likely between Mohura and Walensky, and I think it's going to be... Mm, I mean, and Larson could be a possibility, but I don't think so. I think he's earned his keep. I, I think you're going to see uh, Mohura sent down. I think Walensky. Um, I don't know why. Either one. I mean, it, it, it's probably between those two, Mahura and Walensky. Um, and you pick your poison, I guess. And, you know, who, who do you think develops more? I guess I guess Mahura would be a more the one you want to put down just to give him a little bit more of that development because he's a little bit closer and he get top line minutes, I guess, as a defenseman. Another question she has here is with Patrick Eves practicing, where does he fit in the lineup when he comes back? That's a question that's tough because if he comes back, I think is more or less the answer here. We haven't really had a timeline on him. We've heard more updates from Cam Fowler, uh, who had broken facial bones. And we had basically, I mean, Raquel with that high, it had to have been a high ankle sprain or just a really bad sprain. And he's been out 12 games. And we've heard he's going to be coming back soon. So... I'm not sure if Ease is coming back this season, which would be super unfortunate, and I hope he does. Well, they they, they were talking about he was out there today. We'll see. Um, no, I'll, no, that's what they were no, 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 no. I'm saying we'll see if he comes back, <laughs> and, and if he goes into the lineup, they're going to give him the slot next to Getzloff. That's just what they're yeah, going to give absolutely. him. Absolutely, yeah. He's he, going to he get the top, spot. He, he goes top line and be weird. To, you know, I mean, maybe they limit. You know, so like maybe they double shift somebody else and maybe kind of ease them into it. Most likely. Because the, the dude's played like a handful of games over the last two seasons. Brutal. Three seasons. So it's, it's uh, yeah, so it's, uh, they might ease him into it, but ultimately there's no other place you'd put him, you know, short unless he develops chemistry on some other line somewhere. But he had such great chemistry. The only reason they signed him for three years was because of how well he played with Getzloff and how well he played in front of the net. So, once again, that that's tough minutes. And he came back from an injury earlier on in the season. Didn't look great. And the one game he looked great, that's when he got injured again and then was out. So, I mean, Whatever happened it to just him. depends. Um, yeah. And to wrap up the questions here, we have uh, we have a little bit of post-game content we got to get to for sure. And we're running almost a little long. But uh, the, the question here is a loaded one. Maybe. Uh-oh. Maybe. Because there's a lot of possibilities you could pick from. But what do you think the Ducks do at the trade deadline? I would say, Jason, that they don't do anything. Because Bob Murray has said time and time again. Do something bold. No, nothing. No, here's why he's not going to do anything. As he said it. He only makes the good moves, the big moves. 
If he feels uh, they're close to getting over the hump, it's when he gives away assets. He's not going to give away assets here because the way this season's shaping up, if they make the playoffs, which is an if, it's looking like a first-round exit, exit unless there's a miracle and the Ducks get their shit together. Um, uh, Bobby's not going to do anything crazy. He's not going to you know flash the headlines here and 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 uh, you know go ask the hot girl out at the bar and bring her to Anaheim <laughs> and, and you know whatever whatever hot commodity is at the Starbucks. trade deadline. Nothing's going to happen. Um, I don't see Bobby doing uh, anything other than maybe doing a minor trade, but nothing of significance here for Anaheim. The Ducks never do anything of significance at the trade deadline. Bob Murray is notorious for saying how he will never ever trade assets for a rental player and the only way the ducks do anything is if they think they have like you said a legitimate chance at making a push and they need one more thing and even if they did that bob murray's notorious for not going out for the big guy he's gonna go out for sprung he's gonna go out for aber he's gonna go out for something that's just off market off to the side where where everyone's looking at blue chip stock markets, he's finding the penny stocks over here that hit big. That's what he's looking for. That's his MO. He's not going to mortgage anything off on this season. He's already got a, I mean, if you want, if you want to put it this way, he's already got a built in out. I got you sprung. I got you Auburn. Uh, I, I, you know, I floated the boat while we had all these injuries. Now it's just all these injuries or something else, or the coach was bad. Here's, here's the classic. And the now classic. we got another coach coming. Getting in next Corey season. Perry back—that's like you know—that's that, that's that's like getting a top end player back if he's yeah, healthy. Yeah, right. It's just yeah, right. getting that's, Ricard yeah, Raquel a, back. That's punch, you're right gonna there. get that. You're gonna get the injection right there into the team. Um, you know, honestly, if they were in the same position as let's say Calgary or San Jose, rather. You're going to go out and grab someone. Most likely, San Jose's been up and down all year. Haven't been ultra consistent, but they have that chance. They haven't put it together yet. I still think they're going to. Um, they can score goals, but they also have been hemorrhaging goals this season. So we'll see how they go. But, I mean, if I'm San Jose, I'm going to make a move to add if there's room to add. I'm well, if you're in San Jose, to. you're in a different position because you totally well, that's what I'm saying. that. Because because you don't have Car- or Carlson after this season, there's no guarantee at least. Right, and he has. So, yeah, we'll see if he signs so, or so not. It's like it's, it's like, hey, listen, we already put a lot of. Oh, I would trade Carlson for a boatload of riches if there's a possibility. But his worth isn't there right now. Uh, he he hasn't no. put up the numbers. But anyway, I was just referencing that because the Ducks they're not in that position, and uh, yeah. I, don't, I don't see I don't foresee any major moves. Um, <sighs> just some just some light topics to talk about here. Um, we already mentioned World Juniors updates. USA. 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 Wait, where's Eddie? I thought he was going to say Canada. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, is he still crying? I don't know, man. At least he's not blaming <laughs> Maxime Comtois, which is what I want to talk uh, about here. Captain Canada, uh, 19-year-old Ducks prospect, um, just brutalized on his social media, on his Instagram, all over Twitter. Everyone was talking about it. Horrendous, egregious unacceptable things being said um these keyboard warriors the internet's a beautiful thing okay i'll <laughs> rant here just for a second it's a beautiful thing it's opened up knowledge to people who've never had it you're able to meet people you've never met before and connect with people all these great things um it also is a cesspool of dog shit and and that's the part that happens here all these people who create accounts with no followers and no posts just so they could go on someone's instagram or twitter and blow them up and say horrible things about him Horrible things about his girlfriend. I mean, un- unbelievable things are being said about he and his girlfriend on here. And about his, you know, his patriotism to Canada. And how he should have never <laughs> taken the penalty shot. And he's a bag of shit. And just on and on and on and on. If you're that guy and you're listening to our podcast, stop. I don't want you a fan. Yeah. Unfollow me. Because I will never support anything like that. I-, I-, I, don't- I don't care, man. That stuff is so gross. The cyberbullying that goes on online is horrible. And, you know, they put out a statement saying that um, that he wanted to put out a statement saying, like, this is what – this is ridiculous. Like, why does anybody have to go through this? I don't get it, man. Full-grown men all the way down to teenagers just think it's hilarious or just to say something horrible about a guy because he missed a penalty shot and he was, quote-unquote, diving off and on, which we talked about on the show. And I was like, whatever, he's a kid. People, the greatest Canadian hockey player of his, of his generation, Sidney Crosby dove a lot and got so much yeah. crap and got made fun of for everything in the book and yet he wins canada you know 
um, the gold medal in the Olympics. He goes off and wins all, you know, he goes off and brings Stanley Cups home to Canada. Uh, he's one of the greatest players to ever play the game. And, you know, he dies. Everyone dies in the league at some point, most of the time, right? You see it happen all over the time. Not every guy, but a lot of guys I dive across I, the league. I don't do it. I think it's ridiculous, man. I don't understand it at all. And um, I'm glad that it was brought to light here because it's just, it's just wrong. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna build on top of that and just say absolutely, hundred percent agree. And I I feel like you said. I mean, there's there's a lot of things on you know social media or different platforms where where the internet is giving everyone a voice and everyone thinks that their their opinions worth something. But uh, a, a lot of people end up kind of going the down the dark road where. They feel like, well, I'm just going to be mad so I can just say these things and, you know, no consequence. At least I got it out. Keeping your damn head or t- tell it to your friend over there or something like that. When you go and you you find where that person is, where someone's going to look and you're, you're, you know, you're that mean to that person over something that's just a fucking game. Grow the hell up. A, grow the hell up. And B, on top of that, it, it's just. I mean, it, it's it's sad for, for hockey in general. Even if you know we're not Canadian, obviously, but just to see that it's just it's disheartening to see how how sad people can actually be when they they just want to be upset about something. It's like you know what, deal with it. If you're upset, just go deal with it in your own way. You don't you don't have to just bag on a 19 year old kid and make yourself feel better i just i don't understand it either so and he played the whole tournament with a separated shoulder oh wow wow i didn't know that out two weeks called him all the things i said so on top of on top of his his level of play which by many people's standards he was one of the one of the better players on the canadian team um he was playing with a separated uh, shoulder tournament right Something like that. Or he got recognized as one of the top players. Uh, he for was Canada. the best player on Canada for the So it's it's just it was despicable. I had I had to comment on that. It drove me nuts, man. Um and then uh let's get to some happy things. We'll end it on a happy note. We gotta talk about John Gibson. I've been trying for months, people, to get my friends to understand how good John Gibson <laughs> is in our group chat. And there's always, you know, backlash on how he's not better than Vasilevsky. He's close. He's this. He's not Pecorine. He's close. Bobrovsky's this and that. Gibson gets called to the All-Star game, everybody. And he's probably the only one or is the only one that deserves any sort of respect and call from this Ducks roster. Um, short of maybe Ryan Getzloff. Getzloff, yeah. Uh, 100% agree. Uh, I mean, we even saw a game today with uh, goalies uh, from the uh, All-Star game. So both goalies with uh, Flurry and Gibson, but Gibson is that next level goalie. Uh, this is where the Ducks thought he would be. This is where I thought he would be. So all the haters that said, "Oh, we should have got rid of him and not Anderson," this is the guy. This is the he's been touted this way since he's been 16, and he's in his mid 20s now, and it's something we've seen forever. Building up to this, yeah, he's had his little bit of injuries. Matt Murray's had injuries. Goalies get injuries. It's going to happen. Players get injuries. There's not very many Ironman goalies that happen out there in the NHL anymore. So it's going to happen. He's done an amazing job. He does how to describe John Gibson. The one thing I've noticed he does a little bit differently this year is he kind of lifts his leg up on those like in tight plays. But that aside, a little bit of a tangent for me, but uh, he's he's the the top. There there's him, there's Vasilevsky, um, and then you can throw in a handful of other goalies every now and again. But there's no one with very much consistency other than I would say Vasilevsky and Gibson. Uh, they're the best. Yeah, Pecorino's been very good, but that's just been of late in his career, and he's also on a great team. And I would say Vasilevsky's on a great team. And I say Gibson is not on a great team, yep. uh, especially defensively. And he's, he's well ahead of the rest of those guys. Once again, put Gibby in, in on those other teams. And then all you do is just talk about Gibson being a Vesna trophy winner, but those guys on the ducks team, 
you're going like, well, he's good, but he doesn't have the wins, or he doesn't have the shutout. I love that. Yeah, it's Gibb, like Gibb, I, he's I not get gonna it. get the shutout. I get he's it. He's not gonna get the wins, but does he have a good save percentage? Does he have a high danger good save percentage? Does he uh, save uh, goals that should never have gone in? I mean, he's he's toxic. All of those. All like, analytics like, point to yes. All all not, us not all the stat nerds love it. Bit. He's like that high. He's, he's way this above much everybody else. Uh, and then Getzloff did get kind of the nod, right? He gets he gets put on the list for last man. Fan Everybody voted in. Does, Everyone gets a, a last man player voted in uh, for the chance to represent the, you know, because there's four all-star teams, right? One for each division. So Getzloff has a chance to be voted in for the Pacific Division. I highly doubt he gets in um, just because. That's just not going to happen for him. Just I wish it would, all but this, most likely not. Is Carlson still out there? I don't know. Ah, well. We'll see who we'll see who gets in there, but uh, congratulations yeah. to John Gibson making it to the All Star game, and hopefully well he doesn't decide to take the days off. Which I mean, people might say he should to get the rest, like Ovi did. I don't blame Ovi. If Ovi's going through a cup hangover, dude's got thirty <laughs> goals, and he yeah. and the guy, guy's drinking Dr Pepper on the bench and eating pasta every night and all like all those stories you hear about that guy. But uh, that's it for us, everybody. We hope the Ducks get healthy and better. And we see a, a much better, more energized team for 60 minutes coming up this Sunday against Edmonton. Um, and we'll talk to you guys on Sunday night. Have a great one. Well, uh, we oh, want to talk uh-oh. about the uh, um, oh yeah 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 yeah. Watch People party. probably already watch turned party. off because I'm an idiot and forgot about that part. Even though Sorry, I posted it today. Turn back on. Turn, <laughs> turn it off. All right. January back. 13th, <laughs> we'll be at Lampos Pizza in Yorba Linda, um, West Yorba cool. Linda. It's where we've had our every single. All of our um, all of watch parties have been there. Um, our most recent one was against the Golden Knights, right? And that yeah. one didn't go all that great for the Ducks either. Nope. <laughs> but it was fun. Nope. We had a great time with <laughs> everybody. Yeah. Gave away some cool stuff. Uh, paid Jimmy's bill. So that was fun. Uh, and uh, no, it was not. we'll be giving away some things here on the 13th as well. I know it's an afternoon game and it's on Sunday. But uh, we hope to see you guys out there. Uh, it's all over our social media. Go check it out. And... Um, Shoot, man. Another shout-out to CoolHockey.com. That's the other thing I want to wrap mm-hmm. up here with that. We just started our Forever Mighty Three Stars for the month of January. And go on there. Make your guesses because you can win a free jersey. Go to CoolHockey.com. Any jersey. Uh-huh. Even one of these bad boys. Go win one of those. Wow. And so you can customize it. You can do whatever you want to it. And uh, <laughs> if you win the jersey, that's exactly what you get. You can get a customized one there from CoolHockey.com. You can win it from us free. Or you can go there and buy one and use our promo code, which is <sighs> FM20. Save yourself a couple bucks. Uh, 20% is a good chunk of change when you're buying a $200 jersey. So go ahead and check them out as well. And uh, we'll have our bonus shows for you Patreon listeners. We're doing one upcoming on Monday. I think we should do it live. So we should do it live. Ooh, okay. <laughs> on Monday, we should do it. Well, I'll discuss uh, with the boys and see if they want to. Do it live. Yeah. Do it live. Do it live. <laughs> Going all Bill Riley on you there. But uh, all right, everybody, that's it. It's eleven thirty, just about. We'll tune out here, and we'll talk to you guys on Sunday. Have a great one. Bye, guys.